everybody and welcome to the shine a light podcast this is megan a couple quick things about today's episode um the first is that because it was a skype call there is a little bit of static um unfortunately i just don't really know that there is a good way around that when it's skype um and i won't have too many skype calls but just wanted to make a note on that the second is that i realized after melinda and i recorded that i really didn't explain like how i know her um, and that some people might be wondering. So um, to make a long story short, um, when Melinda was on her American Idol tour, which we do reference here, um, I met her just because that's kind of what you do when you go on an Idol tour if you've never been, which I'm assuming a lot of you have not. Um, you you kind of meet the contestants or whatever. So anyway, met Melinda along with several of the other contestants from her season and just really, I mean, I had been a fan of her on the show, but once I met her, I just really became a fan of her. She, her personality is so fun and sweet. And anyway, um, (laughs) this is going to sound weird to a lot of people, but it's not weird. Um, shortly after that, I joined like a, a message board, you can call it, um, of Melinda fans. And we were not just any typical fan base, I will say. Um, we became very, very tight and got together in, quote, real life, quote, but also spent a lot of our time talking to each other online and just grew real serious relationships. I'm still good friends with a lot of those folks. Um, of course, with anything, with time, we don't see each other as much as we would all probably like to. Um, and just like everybody, everybody's life took a different you know, direction. Um, but it is because of Melinda that I met those incredible people. And over the years, we would go see her, her live shows together and meet up and hang out. Um, that, I mean, that has continued. It's not as often, but we do do that occasionally and just a really wonderful group of people. So I've met Melinda several times since that <laughs> meeting her on that Idol tour back in 2007, 2008. Um, and really, I'm just lucky to call her a friend. Uh, my whole family really knows Melinda and um, Melinda and my dad got along really well um, and would kind of joke together online and uh, my dad got to meet her a couple times as well so anyway I do know her (laughs) Um, I I am lucky to call her a friend and I support her Um, please go see a live show of hers if you get the opportunity she is incredible live and for all my Michigan friends I'm trying I'm trying to get her here Um, But in the meantime, she does a lot of shows in Nashville and in New York. So if you're in either of those places, she's she's there pretty frequently. Um, Okay, I'll stop talking now and let you get to the episode with Melinda. Thanks so much. and welcome to the Shine a Light podcast. I am so excited today because my guest is my good friend and former American Idol contestant, Melinda Doolittle. So Melinda, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody? Hi, you guys. I'm Melinda. I am so pumped to be on Megan's podcast. I love me some Megan. So I'm just in my happy place right now and I cannot wait to sit and talk to her. 
This is so exciting for me. So what exactly do you want to shine a light on? I think for me, the most awesome thing to shine a light on is what success looks like on different people. Yes. Um, it's, it's so um, difficult to explain sometimes because sometimes we have a cookie cutter version of what success is. And until you realize that people are so different and that things look different on each individual person, you can't really even figure out whether you succeeded or not mm -hmm. until you know who you are and what that success looks like for you. So I think that's what I'd love to just kind of dive into. Yeah, and I thought you were the perfect person to talk about this because I think when people think of American Idol, they just think automatically that maybe those contestants are going to go on to sell out arenas and have number one selling albums. And that's not always the case, but that doesn't mean that that person is not successful. So that's why I really exactly. wanted to talk to you about that. Awesome. Yeah. So I know that there's going to be people listening who may want to know a little bit about you before Idol. We were kind of chatting that I know all of that, yeah. <laughs> um, but you I feel like better than yeah, I might be able to, to recite it. Um, I feel like I wouldn't be fair to people listening if I didn't grow, talk a little bit about that. So did you grow up knowing that you wanted to be a singer? I almost did. Okay. I knew that I loved music. Um, I loved music so much growing up, but literally until um, right before the seventh grade, I was tone deaf. And so it, music as a career never entered my mind. Just music as a love was a thing for me. I loved music so much and how it moved people. And then um, when I, literally to make the longest story short, <laughs> when I prayed about really wanting to be able to sing because I loved the way music made me feel, made me feel and um, moved me, I wanted to be able to sing out loud. And my mom was like, oh, baby, you're gonna have to pray. And so I definitely prayed about it. and practiced with everything I had and um, when my voice changed all of a sudden something clicked inside of me that like maybe this is something I want to do so I was a teenager before I kind of got to that stage of things but even then I had no idea I would do it for a living okay. I thought that people sang for fun right but, like there's no way you could like get a job at it unless you were extremely famous so I didn't know what was out there for me at all. So I just kind of was like, I just love to sing. And yeah. I'm not sure how this looks in the long run. Okay. So then what were you doing before you auditioned for American Idol? So before Idol, after I graduated from college um, here in Nashville, Tennessee, I started getting hired to sing background vocals for people. And that was when it really dawned on me like, oh, wait you can make a good living singing. Like this is a this is a thing. And so I became a background singer for years prior to going on Idol. And it was the coolest job ever. I absolutely loved it. So I remember that Simon, when you auditioned, said you're no longer a backup singer. Did you kind of feel that too? Or like what happened in that moment when you auditioned with that? I have to be really honest, like that was the part of the scariest thing for me on mm -hmm. Idol was that like all of a sudden I was like, wait, I'm getting ready to I'm getting ready to do something different. Like 
I go on this show and this makes me an artist instead of a background singer. And I don't even know if I know how to do that. Right. <laughs> I, so when he said it, it became so real to me. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> what did I just do? <laughs> yeah. So it was more of like, a, oh, I probably need to figure out what this means for me. Yeah. And um, because it was one of those, I don't know if you've ever had like a dream come true that you weren't even sure you had. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know this was a dream of mine, but now I wouldn't have it any other way. Oh, that's awesome. To be an artist. So it, like, it kind of happened in spite of me, thank God. Right. Uh, but I'm really, really glad it happened this way. So when you decided to audition then, did you have a specific goal in mind? From my memory, you auditioned kind of because your friends were. Um, but I know some people go on, they're like, I just want to make top 10 or I just even top 20. Did you have a specific kind of place you wanted to be? I had no goals. Okay. Like I didn't, I had zero expectations of the show. Like I, my friend did talk me into auditioning and my thing was that I, if I go, then I get to see what it's like behind the scenes. Right. And I just thought that meant the audition. Like, I didn't know that, like, I was going to see the whole show. Yeah. So every week I was like, are you kidding me? I'm doing it again. Yeah. How does this keep happening? <laughs> yeah. Um, so for people who don't know, Melinda was on season six. Uh, I cannot remember what year that was now. <laughs> 2007. <laughs> Thank you. 2007. Um, so in just like a few sentences, can you talk about what life was really like on Idol? You know, we see what's up, what they show and we see like the little commercials yeah. that you guys did, but we don't really see behind the scenes. I will say that um, we had one day off my entire time on the show and that was Easter oh Sunday. Outside of that, we worked good 14-hour days at least every single day, whether it was rehearsals, interviews, uh, going shopping for whatever your wardrobe would be that week, um, meeting with mentors, or doing the commercial shoots. Like, we were constantly working. Uh, so we were exhausted. And I think that's the hardest thing for people to understand is that, like, singing is the smallest part of being on that show. Mm-hmm. You're helping them make a television show. So you are, um, by the time it gets to the singing part, like, you guys are lucky that we, our voices are still working. And right. And like, our brains are remembering lyrics and all of that because we're exhausted. Right. So as the competition kept going and you kept getting further along, did you have a new vision for yourself? Because um, you didn't come in with a goal. So kind of as you got closer to, I could possibly win this thing, did you have a new goal in mind? I think as I got closer, I, I did think like, okay, I want to see this thing through. Mm-hmm. I want, I do want to go as far as I can go with this. Um, I wasn't positive about winning only because I was still figuring out who I was as an artist. Mm-hmm. And if you win that show, it is a whirlwind how yeah. quickly um, everything starts to happen. And I was like, I don't even know. Like, what kind of music I want to sing. Right. Like, I haven't figured that part out yet. So I wasn't as keen on winning as I was just, like, going as far as I could go and really seeing what I was made of Mm -hmm. in that process. It was more about, like, who are you? Figure that out within this process. See how far you can make it. Right. I have always found it interesting about the winner and kind of the whirlwind that they go through because so many people on that show are so young. So to me, when I look back at like 16-year-old Jordan Sparks or David Archuleta, (laughs) like 
they were so young and how how did they know what they were they probably didn't <laughs> didn't know what I, they wanted to get into I literally have no idea but you know Jordan won my season of mm-hmm. Idol and she was like my saving grace I was the oldest my season she was the youngest and she was more poised than I was at any point in time so she was the one who had been doing competitions for so long and right. who knew like the style of music that she loved and wanted to sing and so she actually ended up being a lot more prepared than I was mm-hmm. <laughs> and actually teaching me along the way and um, I think it's why we're still so close to this day right yeah I love that you guys are still very close what was the coolest thing that happened to you while you were on Idol I just have to ask that question <laughs> oh gosh Oh, that's a hard You one. had some amazing mentors come on your season. I really did. I'm trying to, like, I I mean, I got really excited about, like, Diana Ross and Tony Bennett because I'm an old school girl. So, like, that kind of thing was really exciting. But also, like, seeing J-Lo in person. Oh, yeah. And realizing that the, the that she's real. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that was awesome for me. Gladys Knight, Quincy Jones, like so many. You too, like meeting Bono. Oh yeah. I I think like probably the mentors that we got to meet, and then at one party, I met Ellen and Tom Cruise. On oh the my same gosh. Night. And I think um, after that, like you really couldn't tell me anything. Like, right. I was like, this is. I've I've hit all my goals. I've hit all my dreams. There's nothing else to dream. Yeah. And you were also one of the last seasons that had the original judges, right? I was. We had Simon, Paula, and Randy. And I'm still very partial to the original three. Yeah. Well, I think when people think of American Idol, I mean, unless they're 10 now, that's that's what they think of. They think of those original three judges and standing in front of them. So it's really cool that you got to experience that. So you got third, and I am really curious to know, because I don't know that I know this actually, what kind of discussions kind of were had with you about what your career might look like? Because I know that oftentimes when people win, they're automatically put in a certain direction, and I wasn't sure if a similar thing happened with you. Well, um, what was interesting is that, you know, um, when the show ends, you automatically start preparing for the tour. Right. And so, and during that time, the management company, 19, has time to figure out whether they'd like to sign you or not to their management if you haven't won. And so um, what happened to me was that the management company started setting up a bunch of meetings for me with record labels, which was so amazing of them to do. Mm -hmm. But by like the third meeting, I was like, hey, you guys keep setting me up with... um, Christian record labels, which oh. listen, I love Christian yeah. music, but that's not actually what I want to do. Right. And they, they were, were just like, kind of putting you in a box. Yeah, yeah. So they were like, wait, you didn't tell us that. And I was like, nobody ever asked. Like, <laughs> right. I, don't, I don't think you asked. And so by that point, they had already opted out of managing me because they don't, they don't manage really Christian artists because that's not their expertise. And so they were trying to help me find people and they had already opted out of managing me so I how do I say this in the best possible way I ended up with um, an awesome thing at the end because I wasn't under the contract that I signed yeah. when I when I got on the show but I still had the support of the management team yeah. so that was pretty awesome that they opted out but still wanted to help me and they um, continued to be just a champion of mine and I really really appreciate that 
That's awesome. I wanted to talk about tour for just a second because I have been to those tours. Um, And I'm just really curious what it's like to go from like, you have the show and then you're on tour where people are waiting outside for you and like screaming your name. And then you have to suddenly then go back to like life and figuring out what you want to do. So I'm really curious about that whole transition period. Oh gosh. (laughs) I, what I, the best part about it was that I had been on the road for so long prior to going on idol that I knew what reality really was Mm -hmm. like as far as touring. So I basically spent all 80 days that we were out. We did 69 shows in 80 days. And I spent the entire time saying, you guys, it's not going to be like this in real life. Yeah. I just want to make sure that you guys know, like you're not going to have a masseuse and a nail technician and hair and makeup and arenas and people chasing you and screaming for you and signs everywhere. Like that's not the norm. You can still make a career out of this, but you got to be smart about it. Right. This kind of stuff is really expensive and Idol obviously has the money for that. Yeah. We do not. Yeah. (laughs) As mere humans, we do not have that. So I just really, um, I really wanted to make sure that people knew the reality of what touring was like and how sometimes you have to, you know, rent a van. Yeah. Stick your band in it and, and drive yourself, you know? So I just, it was very important to me that people understood that. And it's still no matter what, like even with me knowing all of that, it, it was a culture shock to finish that tour and then go into like the real life traveling. It, I bet. It's, it's, a, it's a lot because you, you get used to that. And I mean, you're looking at having been on that show the entire year and being catered to like, you've always got wardrobe people. You've mm-hmm. always got hair and makeup. You've had that for a year and then you enter the real world and you're like, uh Oh, well, you're also like stuck, not stuck, but you're with a group of people that you learn to get to know extremely well in a very short amount of time and then you all go your separate ways too so yeah that is an adjustment i'm sure your family like they become your family because um being on idol is such a great experience but like it's also slightly traumatic you know like your brain your brain is not necessarily set up to be judged that drastically week in and week out and so you you bond with the people who went through that with you. Yeah, and you you have a good bond with people from all seasons, not just your own, I've noticed too. So I think that's awesome. I do, and I think we all do. Like, I think it's like you gravitate towards people who have been through the same thing you've been through. It's even the same with like, so you think you can dance. Yeah. Like, we automatically see each other and we're like, hi, Right. you did this. You did this. Please be my friend. Yeah. And I've also always found it interesting or just like the thought about this frame of mind that you go on this tour, it ends, everybody kind of goes their separate ways. And then in a few months, a new season's on and that group all of a sudden has all the attention and like it just completely, oh, yeah. and all of a sudden there's a new group of people that people are judging and voting for. So yes. I just imagine that it's quite a change. So after tour, you moved back to Nashville? Yes, Okay. I sure did. I, I had been in Nashville for so long at that point that like this was home for me. Mm-hmm. So there was no question about where I was going to go afterwards. And it's Music City. So right. it's a great place to be for, for what I wanted to do. Okay. And career-wise, what were your next steps after that? After that, um, I started getting hired for like corporate things. And uh, like I didn't know what to expect. I, I got a manager 
but I didn't have um, a label yet. And so, and calls were just coming in. So I was literally just working and not really, I, what I did learn about myself that I would probably do differently is I hadn't really set goals. Like it, everything was moving so quickly that I didn't really know what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I was just literally hanging on by the seat of my pants and being right. like, okay, here's the next show and here's the next thing. And here's what we do next. And when do I sleep? You yeah. know? <laughs> so I, I worked pretty nonstop for a year before like I really came back down to earth and was like, Hey, what, what did you want to do with all of this? Yeah. Like, how do you want to, how do you want to work this and how do you want to keep this going for longer than just this short amount of time? Right. So how did you keep it going? What was next? Well, um, I signed with a label, um, and released the first record and I did not know at all what I was doing. Um, I knew how to sing background, which is literally how we started recording my record. Mm-hmm. I was like, can I start with the backgrounds? Cause that's been my job for so long. I can do that. And then let's figure out how to be a lead singer. And then I just kept doing different types of shows until I found what really resonated with me. So I realized very quickly that I wasn't, I didn't want to be a pop princess. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to sing. Like I didn't want to be played on the radio all the time. Like that's not what I was looking for. Like, I love classic songs, classic music, those melodies, those just the chord changes. And I wanted to learn how to just kind of reinvent those and present them to an audience that just loved music. And that has been what I've been doing ever since. And it's been the coolest ride ever. Like I mean, I've had to kind of reinvent every, every few years just to make sure that it keeps going. But like, it's been really awesome to watch audiences light up every time a song starts and, and to be a part of this experience with me and to realize that there's a place for that. And I think if Idol teaches you anything, it's that there's an audience for every single one of us. Absolutely. Like, you see the top 10 from so many seasons all go on to do very different things, but to do them well. Yes. And there's always an audience that is voting and that is behind you. And it's a great thing to realize from the show. It's a great thing to take from that and really apply to everyday life is that there is an audience. There's a niche for so many people. There are artists to this day that I, I go to their concerts and you would think like, you don't hear about them out in the press all the time, but it's packed in that room. Mm-hmm. Everybody in there is in their happiest place. And so it's it's just shown me that there's an audience for everyone. Yeah, you just hit like so, so many of the points that I wanted to touch on. Yeah. So I want to go back to that you didn't want to be on the radio. I think some people are going to yeah. be a little surprised by that because they might think, well, she was on American Idol. Like, don't people want that if they're on Idol? So can you kind of explain maybe why you didn't want that or what that means to you? Well, I think... Um, for what radio really is like it's a definitely to be kind of successful on the radio or what people deem as successful it's more of a pop sound yes it's a lighter sound than i have um you need to be an artist who loves writing songs mm-hmm. um I, I do not i don't mind writing every once in a while but it's not my favorite thing to do it interpreting songs is my happy place. okay and so 
that's not really what's played on the radio. Right. So I realized very quickly that that wasn't a route that we really needed to go. Like the kind of songs I sing don't get played on the radio that often. And that is okay. Right. Like you can still have a career without that. But I think it's so hard to realize that because label after label and manager after manager is always like, once you get a hit on the radio, you're all set. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is for so many people, a measure of what makes a music artist successful. It's one of my biggest pet peeves actually is when I say that I'm listening to somebody and people are like, well, I don't know who that is. And they say in a way that makes it like, well, because I don't know who it is, they must not be, (laughs) they must not be good. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really know who Metallica is, but I can recognize that that they have talent. (laughs) So that is definitely something I want to do to talk about. Um, And then I love what you said about how on Idol, there's an audience for every single person that's been on that show. I think that's so true. So many Idol contestants have gone on to do Broadway or are just kind of touring independently. So I definitely yeah. agree with that. This this is a true story. This happened two days ago. My friend posted like a memory from Facebook from 2009. And uh-huh. the status in 2009 was, I love Brooke White's new song. And then when she shared it, she put, I don't even know who Brooke White is. And I was like, this is the perfect example That's of what amazing. I mean. <laughs> and I commented, I'm like, Brooke White was on American Idol and she's excellent. <laughs> right. Because she's still doing her own thing and like, it's very independent, yeah. but she's doing it. So. Yeah. And she's still working and music is what makes her living. Yes. And to me, like that success, like. Right. The fact that you can make a living doing what you love, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's that's the stuff dreams are made of. Right. And I like I understand the big things, and there are a few big things that have happened that I am so grateful for, like singing at the White House or Carnegie Hall, or like we went to Tunisia and did a jazz festival in an old Roman Colosseum that was almost two thousand years old completely packed with 3,000 people. Like, it was so awesome. Yeah. That's really, really cool. Like, I I mean, I loved it. I love the big stuff. But the stuff that really, like, keeps me going is the fact that this is what I get to do. Mm -hmm. No matter what scale it's on, whether I'm singing with the Boston Pops or I've got my band and we're playing this tiny little spot, you know? Yeah. Like, this is this is what I get to do. I get to sing in front of audiences and somebody pays me for that. Right. And you've done some stuff with postmodern jukebox as well. I was actually listening to your don't stop me now cover before we started talking. (laughs) It's a good one. Everybody should go listen. Um, But they postmodern jukebox has a lot of former idol contestants as part of their group also. And that's again, a group that like a lot of people, well, they're becoming more and more popular, but I think if you said that name, people wouldn't know who that is, but they've seen mega success, so. They've seen so much success, and literally, I do um, the Britney Spears Toxic song that mm-hmm. I did with Postmodern Jukebox, I do that in my live shows, and when I say Postmodern Jukebox, like, people look at me like, who? Yeah. And I'm like, they have millions of views like yes they, they and they, they tour constantly have, they tour constantly and sell out all over the world yeah all, all over the world and there's still so many people that are like who is that right and i'm like you gotta be kidding me right <laughs> the the one thing that helped me the most was like um a lady came up to me and she was like hey are you are you even still singing oh. and 
my feelings got hurt a little bit by it. But then literally the next week, I watched an interview with Harry Connick Jr. that said, he was like, yeah, people walk up to me all the time and ask if I'm still making music. Hmm. And I was like, oh, it's just It's not just me, yeah. Great, great. This is just how this works. Yeah, that's what I was gonna, I was gonna ask you actually, do people still approach you and bring up Idol? Um, in the street today or do they ask you like what you're doing with your career so you kind of just answered that but do you have any more all the time okay <laughs> all the time. and I still to this day um people are like you should you should have won oh. and it kind of cracks me up because I'm like first of all the right thing happened yeah but secondly, let it go. <laughs> like, we're 11 years past that right <laughs> like and then we're good I'm good, but there, like, one lady came up to me literally last week and was like, I still haven't watched Idol since the day you got voted off. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, oh, man, you've been missing out. Yeah, she's missed out some good people. (laughs) Like, like, there are great people on there. Yeah. So you've you've done a lot of really cool things that you listed them off. You've also released an EP. Like, you've just, you've toured, you've done shows in New York. You've done some really great things and you've kind of touched on this here and there, but in one kind of sentence, what does that success mean to you? Oh gosh. I, when I think about it too much, it it makes me cry because it's like, um, I just, I never saw it being like this to where I would get to do what I loved on this scale. Like Mm -hmm. I just, uh, the, the fact that people support it and people, pay their money to support it is just blowing my mind and it means everything to me it really does like I don't I don't have the right words I don't even know how to put it into words really just it's um it's it's one of the coolest feelings in the world and i I thought that I would have to like be careful about you know taking it for granted or getting used to it but you just don't get used to that yeah like you just don't get used to like people being so supportive and so great to you and it's it's just blown my mind did you expect or did people around you expect and ever say it that uh your career to look differently than it does now um you know I was having dinner with a friend last night and I told her that a lady walked up to me in church like way before idol and she was like I really have been praying for you and I believe you're going to be famous one day wow and I did not I I kind of was like okay yeah like whatever whatever that sounds fun and she was like it's going to be your voice that gets you there and I'm really excited for you and my literally my only prayer in that moment was Jesus please let me get married first so my last name is not too little (laughs) oh my gosh that was that was my prayer like if this is true just let me get married first and he did he did not do that that. didn't work (laughs) it did not it did not work um but it is like she's the one person I think I, the rest of my friends will tell me like I knew this was going to happen I knew that but she literally is the one person who said it to me Wow. who said this is going to happen and other people just saw how shy I was and mm-hmm. how scared I would be when it was my turn to sing a solo that they were just like bless your heart enjoy singing background you know yeah so I think it was kind of a surprise to all of us, including myself. Okay. What about your mom and your dad? Did they did they Gosh. ever say anything about that? No, not really. Okay. I was just curious. I, no, I think like for my mom, it she experienced it with me, so she right. was kind of like, 
hanging on. She by went the for the whirlwind too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was a lot for both of us to kind of figure out and be like, whoa, mm-hmm. this is what life is now. And even, even now when cool things happen, like my mother grew up listening to the Boston Pops and the fact that they know her now and yeah. like literally send for her when they send for me, they're like, but your mom's coming, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Your mom's gotten to share some of that success with you. Yeah. And it's been really, I think it's been really cool for both of us to kind of experience together. And, um, my dad is just like, dude, <laughs> what just happened? Yeah. You know? So I think, I think we're all just kind of taking it as it comes and really enjoying it. That's awesome. Tom wanted to know if you are happy that you get a little bit more creative freedom than maybe you would have if you won American Idol. It, tell Tom I'm so happy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he, uh, because he's married to me, he hears me talk about this stuff all the time, and he knows um, about Kelly Clarkson. She's been pretty vocal that she wasn't super yeah. happy with her <laughs> contract. Exactly. Um, and so I think that that's where that question came from, is he was just curious if, like, she's basically told what to do, or at least until she broke her, or her contract ended. Um, yes. And so I think he was curious if you feel kind of relieved that that, that wasn't you. Yeah, that's why I was saying, like, I I got the best part of the deal by, like, 19 deciding that they weren't going to manage me, mm-hmm. but still helping me in the process. Yeah, I thought of that when you said that. Yeah. It literally was like, oh, this is win-win, you know? Right. Because that contract you sign is interesting. Yeah. Um, it's, listen, they deserve it with all that they put into you. So I will give them that most right. definitely. Um, but I am glad for the freedom that I had to figure out who I was prior to releasing music and all of that. Right. Yes. What are you working on now? Well, um, you will probably be excited to know that I am literally in the beginning stages of working on my next record. Yay! And um, I am quite excited about it because... This is kind of like the the very first time where I'm so positive about the direction I want to go as an artist. Like I have no question about it. I know what I want to do and I can go directly for that. Yeah. And so this will so be my voice and I'm, I cannot wait. Um, and I don't get excited about singing lead in the studio. So that's huge for oh, me to get exciting. Exciting have versions of some songs that I've loved for a long time that I'm really excited to do also. Awesome. And so it'll be a really great addition to the show that I'm doing now, which is the Great American Soul Book. So it's all this classic soul music and it's so it's in that vibe, mm-hmm. but also like Great American Songbook style songs that have a little bit of a soul twist. Okay. So I'm quite excited and like pumped to do it and my goals of being the black Barbara Streisand are starting to come true <laughs> I was happy. just going to ask you what your career goals are so uh, there you go you just answered it yep. black Barbara she's my favorite by all means because I love to tell a story with a song mm-hmm. and she's like the quintessential storyteller you know yeah. and um, she's able to do the style that I love but at a big like on a big scale, like mm-hmm. you would never see the cabaret style of music done in an arena. But right. Barbara Streisand has figured that out and yeah. figured out how to make you feel like you're sitting in her living room still. 
And um, so I love that. I love that trajectory. And that is a definite goal of mine. So when you do live shows, it's pretty much that great American soul book kind of style, the old soul. I just want people to get a feel for what your live shows are like. Yes, it is classic soul. It's um, classic jazz and Broadway, but with a soul twist. Um, so you'll still hear like Frank Sinatra, Judy Garland, that kind of thing. But it'll just have a bit of a soul twist to it also. And you do live shows pretty frequently. I do. I do. I love them. I love them. In this moment, like right when you're talking to me, I'm a little tired. So I'm like, <laughs> Ooh, yes, I do. Lord. But I, it's my favorite it's my favorite part. Like I just love getting in front of an audience and being able to share my heart and watching them give back to me. Like it is, it's life giving. Yeah. Okay. So what do you advice do you have maybe for somebody? We're not going to go into somebody auditioning for idol. I'm not going to ask you that. Don't worry. (laughs) Um, But what, but what advice would you give somebody who is maybe feeling like they aren't where they thought they would be right now? Oh, gosh. First of all, none of us are. Um, Mm -hmm. I I really feel like um, the the parameters that we put on ourselves are normally ones that we've heard from other people. Yes. Like we we haven't taken the time to be like, wait a minute, for me, what is a good goal? Like Mm -hmm. for me, what is good timing? Because the timing that someone else does it in, the way that someone else does it, is n- is never for you. Yeah. It's specifically for that person. That is why God created us as different humans and gave us all different skill sets and different timing and different everything is so that we could do things individually. And I think, um, I think it's so hard to not pay attention to the social norms and what's going on around us and not compare ourselves to other things. But if you were to take a minute and just stop the comparison and be like, wait a minute, what works well for me? Like, am I happy? If I'm not, then what can I do to be happier? Yeah. In this stage, like right where I am, how can I be happier in this stage? And the, the second you find that joy, you keep moving up to the next level every time. Every time. It's the discontent that keeps us where we are most of the time. Yeah, I I have so many friends who I feel like are struggling with that right now. Not necessarily in their career, some of them maybe, but also in like relationships and that they they aren't in a relationship or they aren't married and all their friends around them are getting married and starting to have kids. So I think that that advice relates to anything really. It does. I, I talked to a friend of mine the other day about just, you know, I'm, I'm 41 years old and I assumed I'd probably be married. Well, I didn't want the last name Doolittle, so we knew that. (laughs) But like that I'd be married and probably have kids by now. When I tell you that I cannot imagine being married and having, like I, I literally can't imagine it in this moment and what I wouldn't be able to do. What What I'm doing, doing, the way that I'm doing it right now. That's nothing against anyone who's married and having children it's just for me in this moment like that would that would not have worked out right (laughs) so i am i am very grateful for this trajectory that i'm on and if and when i get married great you know but for now this is a really great place to be what has helped you 
either resources that you have found helpful or if there's other people that have helped you kind of along the way kind of get to the place where you are now as far as that you're happy with where you are and not necessarily finding that you have to strive for more, 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 if that makes sense. Gosh, uh, Jesus, I will say my faith has been really helpful to me in knowing that God has a plan and that it can't be moved. Um, I would say my therapist. Mm-hmm. Hey, we are very open on this podcast about therapy. I think every single person has said it. So, <laughs> Oh my goodness. It's literally the best thing I think I've done is to, to go to therapy and to really be able to talk through and be honest, you know, about how things feel and, and um, how I'm approaching things so that I can find better ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that there are better ways and, um, Beth is my therapist and she's been amazing at helping me find those. So I would say that I would say, um, my friends have kept me extremely grounded, but also they, they spur me on cause I surround myself with, um, people who are achieving their goals, you know, yeah. and who are going after what's in their heart. And I love that drive. I've been known to not have as much of that drive. And so I try to surround myself with people who have it so that it spurs me on. And it's really, really been helpful to me. Can we talk for just a second about your three nice things rule? Because that's not part of the topic, but I do feel like it's a fun little tip to share. So tell everybody what that is. Sure. Um, So when I was growing up, my mom had a rule that um, when I wanted to say something bad, either about a situation or a person, I had to come up with three nice things about that situation or that person first before I was allowed to say the bad thing. And if I couldn't come up with three nice things, then I didn't get to say the bad. And um, because of that, it made me just start looking for the good first, you know, like anytime something that I thought was bad happened to me, I automatically started thinking, wait, what's good about it? Mm-hmm. And it's helped me so much. And it's, um, it's kind of seeped into like everyday life and all that I do. And even my live tweeting now, um, I have the best time on Twitter with people <laughs> like watching the Grammy awards and coming up with three nice things. And at this point I'm like, let's just leave out the bad. You yeah. Know? There's too let's much bad. Find Let's find three nice things because there's enough bad all over the world right now. Can right. we just find the good in all of it? And um, I think it's been what's gotten me through kind of the climate that we're going through right now mm-hmm. is looking for the good. And sometimes you have to look hard. Oh, pretty know? hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think I see it on Twitter, like you said, through your like the Oscars and the Grammys. But I think it's yeah. cool that you, you do it in real life, too. I don't know that I realized that. I think oh, it, yeah. I thought it was just your live tweeting. So. Oh, no. It is daily thing because like like literally you read a news story mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, dear Lord. Yeah. And so I literally am like, OK, OK what good things have happened today? Yeah. Let me go into like, let me, and then I literally am searching for the good because mm-hmm. it's harder to find. Right. Like it's harder to find online. It's harder to find in the news, but I'm looking for it. So I'm always about finding the good stories that make me happy about society and where we are. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Does living in Nashville kind of help to like, just because that's like you said, music city and you're surrounded by music. Do you feel like that kind of helps push you? in a way to a certain extent yes it can it can do one of two things for you and it has done both for me it can either 
help push you um, to get better or it can kind of bury you because you feel like everybody does. Oh, it. yeah. You know, like everybody does what I do. Like literally my waitress can out sing me <laughs> like that kind of thing, you know. So like um, it can sometimes it can get into your head if you allow it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so both things have happened to me. I know um, I go to shows all the time and um, to get inspired and every once in a while instead of inspiring me I'll be like I can't do that oh yeah Um, I can see that maybe I'll stop for a second you know so um, I hope that at this point I've gotten to a more mature place but so for the most part I can just go and enjoy it for what it is and it inspire me but every once in a while it seeps in where I'm like I don't know how to do that run or my voice doesn't do that or I can't sing that high you know, I think it's the comparison thing that we all struggle yes. with. We, we oh, compare yeah. ourselves to others all the time on social media, and then you're around it all the time in real life with live music, so I imagine that that is very difficult. Yes, definitely. Is, is there anything else we did not cover that you wanted to make sure we talked about before I ask you the final few questions? I can't think of anything. This okay. is the most fun interview. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm happy You're to hear so that. Good at Thank you. I have really have been wanting to do this for a couple of years and decided, you know what, I'm just going to do it. So <laughs> I went for this, it. <laughs> oh, this is great on you. It looks real good on you. I'll tell Thank you that. Thank you. Um, okay. So my final few questions. One is, so my dad always used to tell us to build each other up, don't tear each other down. And so I thought I'd yeah. ask all of my guests to give me somebody that they want to build up. Um, it can be either somebody who's helped you that you want to kind of give a shout out to. It can be somebody you know is struggling right now. It can be a group of people. Really, it's open to whoever you want to build up. I would love to build up the background singles right now. Um, being in that world is some sometimes kind of hidden and uh, feels like it's underappreciated. But I would like to say to anybody who's singing in the background or who's playing in the background, thank you for being the backbone of so many different artists. Thank you for holding us up when we're exhausted, when we're tired. Thank you for being what we need every single night on stage to get our message across. Thank you for being part of that. That's, I, I am indebted to everyone who helps me get on that stage and share my heart. I'm so happy you did that. I've actually paid a lot more attention, I feel like, to background singers since knowing who you are and your whole story. Um, Did you know that Allison is singing backup for Kelly Clarkson on her tour right now? Yes. I saw a picture of that, and it's so beautiful to me to see that Mm -hmm. Um, because we know Allison can sing. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Like, we know that, but she has been such such a huge part of supporting other artists. Mm Mm-hmm that it is beautiful to me. George Huff is the same way. With yeah, Jennifer Hudson. Hudson, yeah. Like, it's just beautiful to see such amazing singers um, be a part of of another vision outside of themselves. And it's, I think it's just one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And it's inspired me to make sure to um, tap into my background roots every once in a while, you mm-hmm. know? And even in the studio, I've gotten to sing, even recently, like on CeCe Winans records and like artists that I've grown up loving and even used to sing for, like, I'm like, no, I want to jump back in and do this. Yeah. I want to be part of somebody else's dream also. 
Okay, my last question is to give a fun recommendation. So I know you are a music junkie also. It can be a song, it can be a podcast, it can be a book that you read. Some people have been giving restaurants, really anything kind of fun that you want to recommend to people. To me, gosh, the thing that has made me so happy recently is an artist named Emily King. Okay. And if you have not heard her, I just need you to just, I would suggest YouTubing her because she's so funky in the way that she moves that you will have the best time ever. She's so awesome. So please go listen to Emily King. You will love it. Awesome. Um, Is there anything, any final words before we plug your social media that you want to leave people with? I think, um, I think I would just say to uh, remember to find out who you are and what makes you happy. Surround yourself with people who see the good in you and see the good in life around you. I think your dad was amazing at that. Yes, he was. Um, and the fact that you had that in your house is like otherworldly. Mm. Um, but to make sure that you surround yourself with people who see the good. Um, and try your best to see the good in this world as we continue to try to make it a better place. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so where can people find you on social media? Um, on Twitter and Instagram, it's at mdoolittle. And on Facebook, it's official Melinda Doolittle. And then your website is just melindadoolittle.com, right? It's melindadoolittle.com. I would suggest to... Um, get on bands in town if you're not on it okay and follow me there because then you'll know anytime I'm coming anywhere near you uh hopefully Detroit is <laughs> not I'll not that I'm trying to hint now. anything <laughs> you guys have burners so I know I Tom to okay so we bought a house <laughs> I don't know if you saw that thank you <laughs> and there's a 7-eleven like on our street, basically. And Tom was like, we can get Melinda a Werner Slurpee. <laughs> is, there, is there a Werner Slurpee down the street from your house? Yes. <gasps> I guess she's coming uh, now, guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm on my way. Yeah. I'm on my way. My favorite like walking thing. distance, yes. Are you serious? I'm serious. And a steakhouse. <laughs> so you can get both. <laughs> this is so unfair. I mean, I'm happy for you. That's oh, what thank I you. Say. I, I see the joy in what you are experiencing. <laughs> yeah. and I'm happy in the place that I am. <laughs> when you guys warm up, I'll come visit and do that. Well, that might not be till June. So they just okay. said that we're going to have the coldest March ever. What? Yes. Okay, I'll yeah. wait. So just hang tight for a little bit. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you so much. This was super fun. Thank you. You are wonderful at this.